Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Miss Honey, Miss Honey, Miss Honey, girl, Beyonce strikes again. Oh my God! Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys! Did you hear? Oh my God! What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, I just saw the opening day of the Renaissance film by Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter at the AMC Theater and Darling Diva Girl. Get your ass to the movies. It is, it's unbelievable. I mean, we knew, we knew it was going to be unbelievable, but my God, it's not just the concert. I mean, the concert in itself is enough for it to be a wow. But she, it's a documentary. She's like showing us her real self for like the first time ever. She's like goofy and charming. And we see her with her sweet babies. Like, you guys, I, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I am a Beyonce for life girl diva. But man alive, I cannot wait to see this movie again. And I can't wait for it to come out on streaming so that I can freeze frame every possible crowd shot to see if I am in it. I need to be in the movie, okay? But truly, it's so stunning. It's it's such a beautiful representation of queer culture. I mean, you know, Beyonce herself goes into detail about how her fabulous, amazing, beautiful Uncle Johnny used to make all of her costumes. And she has a whole section about her sweet Uncle Johnny and how he was like the inspiration behind her work ethic and everything. And I'm, oh my God, she loves the gays and the gays love her. So you guys run, run to the theater and see this movie and get yourself a um, souvenir cup. Mm, It's just so good. It's just so good. Beyonce, Beyonce is the best living entertainer there sorry there's no arguing there's no question she is the best the 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 vocals the plastic off the sofa vocals say say you won't change i like what ma'am ma'am I, I got to stop because I, I will just talk about Miss B forever. We, let's dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap, brought to you by my amazing friends at BroadwayWorld.com. 
Oh, okay. First of all, you guys, I have to tell you the tea. I saw the final Stephen Sondheim musical off Broadway at the shed called Here We Are. Let me tell you, it was so, so clearly written by Stephen Sondheim that it like all of the emotions came like flooding in. I was like, I can't believe that we're like witnessing new material from Stephen Sondheim. But it was also whack-a-doodle. I couldn't tell you what was going on. I mean, all of the individual performances, incredible. Rachel Bay Jones absolutely slayed this show. Her acting is unbelievable. Everyone is flawless. I mean, like, everyone is so brilliant in their own characters and in their own ways. Stephen Pasquale is amazing. Amber Gray, like, everyone. Bobby Cannavale. It was so beautiful, and I still <laughs> wish I knew what was going on in the show. Half of it is like a, a typical Stephen Sondheim musical, whatever that means, and then the second half, without giving anything away, is just, I, I, was, I was so intrigued. I was so confused. I was impressed. It was beautiful and scary and just weird. So I, you guys, write me your thoughts. I, I really want to hear what other people who have seen this show have to say about it because it's amazing and wack-a-doodle. Unfortunately, you guys, this week we got the sad announcement of the passing of two-time Tony Award winner Frances Sternhagen at the age of 93. And what a life and career this woman had. Frances was nominated for seven Tony Awards and won two of them. Her first win was for her performance in The Good Doctor in 1973, and her second was for The Heiress in 1995. And you probably also know her from TV and film because she did countless movies and TV shows, and I most loved her for playing Bunny on Sex and the City. Frances was just such a brilliant character actress, so may she rest in peace, sending all of the love and light to those who knew her well. Oh my gosh, next, you guys, in another little kooky piece of Stephen Sondheim news, it was just announced by Broadway World that his Manhattan townhouse was just sold to a fan of his for $7 million. Imagine living in the home where Stephen Sondheim wrote masterpieces. Just wild. And imagine having $7 million. Sorry. Anyway, um, next, you guys, Tom Holland just confirmed that scripts are being written for a Fred Astaire biopic. And you guys, if Tom Holland plays Fred Astaire, I will lose my mind in a good way. I love Tom Holland. And he's like a secret amazing dancer. He was freaking Billy Elliot. We need this. OK, the gays need this. And lastly, you guys, it was just announced that Jersey Boys, you know, as a brand, is teasing a 20th anniversary tour. And girl, if I don't get to play Bob Crew, there will be hell to pay. You heard it here on the pod. You heard it first on All My Pod, you guys. I want to be in that show. I love that show. And I love Bob Crew. I played the role at Theater Aspen and it was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. So, hey, um, producers, if you're listening, oh my pod, I want to do your show. And you guys, this has been a crazy kooky Broadway World recap. Oh my pod, you guys. You guys, I cannot believe that I get to welcome my next guest to the show. They are an international superstar of the drag 
artistry, and they are now a star of the stage and screen. Please welcome Willem. Are you kidding me? Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Yeah. I say yes to any opportunities. I'm so, <laughs> of course, she knows the tea. She knows the drill. Oh my God. It's so, I'm so excited to chat with you. I've been a fan of yours for quite some time, but obviously now I am, <laughs> I keep joking to people because I'm just like making my way through the cast of Titanic, but I was like, I have to get Willem on the pod because I'm obsessed. Yeah. I asked Brandon, Brandon Contreras, who I get ready next to at Titanic. Um, I was like, who is this guy? Should I do this? And then I listened to like a clip and I was like, oh, I'll do this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I I believe Brandon. in saying yes to faggotry and gay opportunities yes. and putting more into the world <laughs> for people to listen, maybe who can't get to New York and who want to like, you know, because we've all been like boys in our bedroom obsessed with Broadway or kids in general at one point. And now like, we're here and we get to talk to these people. And so let's share yes. it with others. It's so insane. I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm so grateful that you said yes, because I just am such a fan. And I want to hear about your, your like, background in in like your love of theater because all through like anything that I have followed like your obviously like your YouTube your podcasts everything you always have these like hilarious and like very niche musical theater references that like only a true theater bitch would know so I'm like where did that even come from like did you was that like your childhood was was theater my love of theater was kind of ingrained in me because I had grandparents that would go to like the local community theater and my grandpa would just go he he would say i'm going just so i have something to complain about because he hated it (laughs) and my grandmother would drag him and the community theaters have a lot of reckoning to do with what went on in the in the everythings and bitch one of my first shows i was in the mikado they covered me in texas dirt powder and i had eyeliner out to my temples no (laughs) girl the next show was gypsy and they're like you can stop wearing the eyeliner now i was like what eyeliner (laughs) (laughs) fully in a fake lash i tried it i fully tried it (laughs) so i was my main goal when i started theater was to be a costumer i wanted to make like i would always be drawing dresses and people would be like oh you want to be a fashion designer and in my head i'd be like no these are for me um but then <laughs> no bitch I'm I'm wearing hello and but then I figured I should learn like sewing and construction and like I wanted to attention so I was like let me go to a theater where there's other fags um <laughs> because the gay bar was like listen you're 13 we know you're not 21 you can't come in here so I was like you cannot come in okay so and they asked me to stop loitering outside so the theater was <laughs> a couple blocks away so I was like I'll just go down there so I went down there I started volunteering with a lady named Shelly who was like my costumer intro. And she saw that I had a lot of, um, she, I remember her saying like something like gay and she's like, that's okay. Right. And I was like, girl, yes. I feel like I found my people, all these gay people, you know, and she helped me with, with learning about sewing and like costuming and running tracks for different costumes and all these things, how to clean stuff with vodka and Febreze. Um, of course. And then from there, we were doing Jesus Christ Superstar. That was the first show that I helped costuming on over a summer when I was 12 and 13, literally. And then I, after the first bows, I was like, do the costumers come out? Do we get a round of applause? Because these outfits, like for the King Herod number with all these girls and the don't don't get me wrong and the white and the feathers and all these things. I was like, we should really get a bow because these outfits are great. And they're like, that's not how that works. And I was like, (laughs) um... 
somebody needs to clap for me. <laughs> so at that point, I realized I was going to have to like get on stage if I wanted people to clap for me. So I mm-hmm. started theater stuff and uh, being chorus boys and like gypsy and like I think I did. Yes. I was the young collector in a streetcar named Desire. And honey, I don't know what she was collecting, <laughs> but she tried on Blanche's wig a couple times. I will tell you oh, that. Period. <laughs> there um, was Desire yeah. backstage. Uh huh. There was fully. Uh, the guy that played Frank. Ooh, was his name Frank? Whoever the period. upstairs guy that beats up the one girl was. I was like, <laughs> you could beat it up. Stella. Oh, he could beat it up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that was like my introduction to theater. And then from there, I think when I was like, 13 i was my marching band did phantom of the opera as our like halftime show so i was i was like oh who's this christine bitch yeah and she's fucking a zombie (laughs) i was like he's a phantom what's going on here so then i i watched the movie and i was like this is not the music that we played on the field mom and she's like oh yeah it's a broadway musical i was like oh cool christmas morning she surprised me and my sister with tickets my sister played flute <gasps> i played sax so we were both in band and we drove up i-95 christmas morning the next day we saw phantom on broadway i saw the chandelier i was like is see up there um it was <laughs> it was amazing i was gagged and i was like this is uh-huh. great so i think that that's when the theater bug bit me and then from there i've always been inspired by um uh, by acts of prostitution. I've always identified with it. And like from fancy with Reba and pretty woman. And then I discovered Mm -hmm. the life by Cy Coleman. Mm. And I think I, I got a lot of my theater inklings and like things to investigate from, to go to the library, to Google on the computer there from Rosie O'Donnell, (laughs) because Rosie O'Donnell always had great Broadway guests. She had Billy Porter. She had the cast of the life. I remember seeing Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen Chenoweth there for the first time with uh, your good man, Charlie Brown. And that's how I discovered a lot of stuff was through Rosie O'Donnell. And um, Mm -hmm. when I saw The Life, I was like, what is this my body number? I instantly got on the floor and I was like, yes, this is me. This is me. (laughs) And then I went up to New York and saw, I think, Chicago, The Life. And then one other show, I was like 15 and I saw three shows in a row. And I remember B.B. Newworth was like, no pictures. And I was like, I'm... 15 i spent all my money to come see this show please take a picture with me bb and she she's like okay and i was like uh <laughs> and that's that's when i learned okay. it's always just easier to say yes when someone asks for a picture like because no it. matter what if you slap on a smile it can't be all that bad and then you find your lighting you do a 360 turn because <laughs> there will be better lighting at some point if you turn in 360 you'll find light somewhere so that that's my theater run on sentence about how <laughs> I dip my toe in and then my whole fucking leg and then drowned in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and we are so grateful that you did because now we get to see you on stage in Titanic. And before we even talk about Titanic, I have to say I was so excited to hear that you were coming to New York to do another amazing show that was going to be off Broadway before it finally they just said that it wasn't going to happen anymore and I was so disappointed. Wait, did they say that? Cuz uh, under under my understanding, Death Drop has been pushed. It hasn't been, it has oh, it has great. not okay. been shelved. Period. I did not. I was like, well, damn, I'm sad. So yay, I'm glad to know that it's not completely like shelved. Yeah, because... me too. Everything takes time, and it'll happen when it happens. Um, I totally. understand that New York is a monster in regards to Girl. to equity and all these rules and costs. Because in England, you don't have to join equity if you don't want to. And when they told me that, I I mean, I was the lead in two West End shows and um, Mm -hmm. I didn't join then. And when they told me for Titanic, I needed to join. I was like, no, I don't. 
And I sent an email and I was like, I'm not joining this union because I believe that I should be able to do whatever work I want. And if I pay for a union, you shouldn't restrict me to only doing union work. That's not, that's not what I think. And I think the same thing about SAG. Um, I'm not trying to like union bust or nothing, but like they should protect my interests, but not, um, gatekeep, gatekeep my other interests. Exactly. Because if you're not fucking financing or feeding me, you can't pay all my bills. You don't get to tell me what to do. Very that. So, so then have you run into instances like that when you are working in the drag world where there are things where you're like, oh, sorry, I can no longer like say yes to this because I joined the union? No, I do anything I want. Like <laughs> there, drag is never going to be regulated like how some people are like, oh, there should be a drag union. You know what? That is a good idea in certain regards. But in other regards, it's just saying like, well, other people want to get paid maybe as much as some other people want to get paid. And I understand that. But like when it comes down to it, you got to do the drag math. If you can't sell the tickets to pay your way and your fee and your housing and then make the promoter money also and the bar money, you don't deserve that fee. So you need to bring something to the table that's inimitable and unique that makes people want to come out, get out of their house. And in New York, it's get out of their house in the cold and the snow and the rain and be entertained. Yep. You need to be so fucking lit and and an event. You need to stop worrying about what other people are getting paid and forming a union and work on your craft. Period. Because this drag <laughs> union stuff that they're trying to run in the UK, it's a great idea. It's not going to work. Because drag right. in the UK has imploded because there's been two promoters over there that have owed a bunch of girls a lot of money because they were robbing Peter to pay Paul for the next girl and the next girl. And then this tour mm-hmm. was going to pay for that tour. There's a lot of girls that are owed money. Me? I'm not owed a cent because when they tried it with me, I was like, I'm not going on stage in Berlin unless you pay me for Ibiza. And if you don't pay me for Ibiza, I'm going home. And then your other three cities will be fucked because I'm the headliner. Because Exactly. That's how it works. You need to do something that people want to see and come out and pay money for. And that's what your value is based on. Not what some arbitrary other drag queen thinks you should be paid. And that perspective, Willem, is so like refreshing and it's it's one of the reasons that i have loved like getting to listen to your podcast for so long you listen to my pod of course thank you friend of the pod i appreciate you god i love it and it's it you are just so open and willing to say the the truth and i love that i think like there why why else have a podcast you know unless we're gonna say the things that we want to say well i i also Um, believe that to be true about um equity in in new york and these favored union contracts and stuff because like i don't believe that i should be paid the same as the person that sings 16 songs in the same show that i'm in and i think that that person who sings 16 songs has a right to negotiate for higher pay or try to and Mm -hmm. baby if a show has extended six times and you're on your 500 something performance and right. we can't try to get a raise out of it because we we're should in a, renegotiate. And if that person doesn't want to do it, if that producer doesn't want to do it, they should realize that the people running up and down all those stairs every night and getting standing ovations for your show deserve it. Because like it's actors are underpaid in New York so fiercely. The only reason I can afford to do Titanic is because of my podcast job elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't pay enough to to rent a place in New York. It's an off Broadway show. I'm grateful for it. It's so nice to be in a hit, wonderful show. My attitude is gratitude. But they need to pay actors more in these shows they because if you're on your 500th do. show, you've definitely recouped, and somebody is making money there. You know, girl, we're not selling 2,000 seats. It's it's we're not 300 we're not seats playing. a night, and guess what? Every we're... night we're sold out. 
Exactly. Because why? We're a fucking hit times. and we're great because Marla, Connie, and Ty wrote a great fucking show. Exactly. So I am so grateful for this show and I love that it's my childhood dreams come true that like I get to – because when I was a kid, what I saw was, oh, if I want to do theater, I need to wear black and be one of those fags slinking in the back of B.B. Newworth in Chicago <laughs> because that was all the gay that I could see and I gravitated Correct. to – or the, the girl in the life that was, someday I'll be working in a cute little dress shop that the town of Tallahassee's ever seen – like mm-hmm. that trans character, you know, I was, yes. I was like, that is all I'll be able to do. So when I got mm-hmm. to New York and realized that I could be in a hit show and be queer and it could be embraced and, and people would love it like Titanic, I was so happy. But then I realized the pay and I was like, oh shit. The, Girl, the fact, it's no joke. There was, a, there was a, a moment in a show last year where an actress was having a housing crisis and she couldn't afford to pay for what she was paying for back where she actually lived and to be in New York. The Celine stopped the show and said, one of our actors is having a housing crisis. If anyone has any leads and people thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. And it turns out my manager was in the audience and she was sitting near the director and she's like, I'm in fire Island all summer. This person who plays Rose in the show can stay at my place. And she let her stay there for free for two months. Wow. And then I'm staying there now because her son just left for college. So I was like, this is great timing. Thank you for allowing me to fulfill my New York theater dream because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it because I can't afford it. It's crazy. Yeah. It really is. And people kind of don't know. I mean, especially when you when you are brought up like I went to a musical theater program, we like the whole like BFA world of like the like clawing up the the ladder to get to, you know, what like the top tier or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it of like New York theater and stuff. And people don't tell you that. Like th- there is no preparation for like yeah, you could have you could do your like your dream show and the pay is not, it's not Got gonna her. make a career gutter bucket pay. It's crazy. But I also want to ask about the difference then between like performing in New York City versus performing in London. Like you are doing in London, you did Death Drop and Death Drop 2. Um, Death Drop, <laughs> period. The sequel. The sequel. <laughs> so was that a different experience? I guess not only in pay, but also like, you know, you are in drag every every performance versus like doing something like Titanic where you basically get to be Willem in a in a cap yeah I I don't have to be in drag um for this I don't get to be because I I feel like every time I'm in drag is a privilege and like I'm privileged to get to entertain people um so it's always wonderful when I do get a chance to be on stage but Death Drop was a lot of work um beforehand I and and after and in between like you can't get out of drag. So you're just in drag for like nine, nine, 10 hours a day sometimes. Um, Ugh, yeah, I, I'm grateful for that work. I'm grateful that the producers knew how to pay drag Queens and compensate us for our work and drag Kings and non-binary performers. Um, mm-hmm. Titanic has been a much harder rehearsal period for me. Cause I joined with five other people. I joined with, um, Terrence, Tess, Kay, uh, Shawnee, and then Drew Drogi from LA too. And um, it was like jumping on a moving train because it was yeah. already going. And it, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go on for, everybody was worried and I wasn't ready to go on for the date that they selected. So they're like, we're going to delay you a little bit. And then they, I was devastated. I cried in the park. Oh, in Union Square, I was like, oh, "Fuck this! Been I'm there. going back to LA." You, remember, you know when the girl throws her sho- her point shoes in the train in Fame, and you think she's going <laughs> to yes. kill herself? That's what I felt like, literally, because they were like, uh, "We're 
after we're like about to put in we're we're worried and i was like before or after and they were like both and i was like uh gagged <laughs> gagged, gagged. Because there were other people in the room too. I wasn't like pulled aside and I was just like, sure. oh, okay. So they said they were delaying me and then they, they were, I was doing gigs in between in the rehearsal period and I was like, I got to make money. I need to pay my mortgage and stuff in California. Right. And they were like, we're afraid you're going to go away to Fire Island and forget everything that you you learned. And we see that wow. your rehearsal process is different than others. Like you're, you pick things up differently. And I was like, I just need an audience. Once there's an audience, it'll be great. And they were like, uh-huh. oh, okay. So they rehearsed me another day. And in the middle of that rehearsal, they were like, you got this. Don't worry. We're only going to delay you one performance instead of whatever. And I was like, "You y'all put me through it. These New York you bitches, you right. queens. <laughs> um, but they were right. And once there was an audience, I was fine. But Period. you can't expect people to rely on your word. Um, but I, it was, it was a tough rehearsal period. I will not lie, especially because I'm surrounded by people who sing five octaves and I can carry right. a tune and I can hit a note and stuff, but there's girls oh, please. more than that. Miss Willow. Thanks. But there's girls in the show who literally sound like a parrot of Celine Dion, Jackie Burns, Kaylee, Tess, Naya, Shawnee, all these girls. There's gr- and Fraser Thomas, honey, these girls, Shawnee and Anne Fraser Thomas's and Fraser Thomas were the muses in Hercules at the Paper Mill because they sound like goddesses. They're amazing. They're superhuman people in the show. And I've got some talent, but like these women and these men too, like Marcus Antonio gets standing ovations nightly for when he does Peebo Bryson in the show for Beauty and the Beast. They do (laughs) the iceberg bitch, Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. All these people are so fucking talented that it. I I'm a confident person, and I always say comparison is a thief of joy. Don't compare yourself to other people. Just do you, and it will probably mm-hmm. be enough. It's hard not to when you're in the room with all of these people, right? Sincerely, but I mean, they are singing down. But but they also. I mean, I thought from from a marketing perspective, how brilliant they were in bringing you on board because on board pun intended because you obviously not only have the talent to back it up but you have the this sort of like queer following and that and that's what keeps people coming back is like it's so like queer and and niche and nuanced and there are so many like fun references in it to to drag race and and you know like then giving the opportunity for you to um, I, like add your own like iconography from your time on drag race mm-hmm. into the show with like throwing up overboard, like just fucking amazing. Like I I'm so glad that you get to be a part of it. I've seen it eight fucking times. Like I'm obsessed with the show. There's a reason people keep going back and it's still open. And that's the reason we have jobs is because of people that support it. Like you. Um, I, I do know it wasn't like an intentional thing. Like me being cast a lot of drag race girls auditioned. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure more will be in there after I am, but, um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity because all these musical things that, um, like they did them at Rockwell in LA, which was like a musical theater, like Haven, they did like Mm -hmm. Boz Lerman unauthorized, like started there and like the, the Troop Beverly Hills musical and like all these little things that that <laughs> Ty and Marla and Connie did. And now Titanic was the little baby that could. And I think it went from like the Hawthorne or the dynasty typewriter theater to, to, uh, to Grissetti's and then this and then that. And it's literally the little show that could. And it's all because of, I think the, the queers and um, 
those those people that support it. Totally. I love it. Well, switching gears a little bit, I simply must ask you about working in the film and television industry because it is obviously very different than working not only in the West End and on Broadway, but it's a different medium, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I have followed you not only because of Drag Race, but also because of things like freaking A Star is Born. Like you have truly put your put your stamp on what it means to be a drag queen and a drag performer in the world of TV and film. Like how, what is that like for you to navigate that getting getting to play opposite fucking bradley cooper like what the hell and shangela and shangela (laughs) um honestly i have i have a a perspective that's different than an answer i could have given maybe like five years ago before that because stars born i feel like is my i made it moment i did it was like a giant mini challenge and everything the improv the (laughs) outfit everything came together my partner in shangela and mm-hmm. working with her so many times and knowing how we work well together because we ran that. That was all us. And yeah. I thought back to the movie called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead with Christina Applegate, where in the movie there's three drag queens. I think it's a bet, Eliza, and a dolly, and they steal a car. And they have like minimal lines and they're on screen for probably less than 30 seconds. But in my head, I was like, as a child, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on TV and drag. That's what I want to do. And then I saw Coco Peru and Trick when I was like 12 or something. And I was like, that's what I want to do too. So I hope that I get to be that person, those drag queens for another kid who's listening or watching to all this stuff now and saying, oh, you can do this. You just have to try and um, right. and be good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> And be fucking funny. Yeah, I think that TV and film is my preferred medium just because it lasts forever. Theater is great Mm -hmm. and it's good for the immediate and you get the immediate applause and the recognition like that. But like theater and film and YouTube and podcasts, more people have access to. And I'm happy to um, be a voice for people to listen to and cheer and jeer for. But Gaga said something when we did Stars Born. Um, A, someone was rubbing my shoulders at one point and I turned around and it's Gaga. And I was like, girl, watch my wig. And she was like, oh, Miss Thing. Like, she was so fun on set. It was like being in a dressing room with one of the girls, literally because she's one of the girls. Uh-huh. And every time I've been in a dressing room with her from 2013 on, because I was in the applause music video as an accident because I was going to Mickey's where they were filming it to pick up a wig from Morgan. And randomly it was really busy. And I was like, oh, is this because Jinx is here? I thought Jinx was there. And uh-huh. they were like, no. And I go upstairs and I was like, God, Judas Joe Mason looks great. And he's a Gaga impersonator. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, that's Gaga. That's and then mother- it was a room Gaga. with just me and Morgan and Gaga. And she was sitting there talking. And she's like, y'all want a picture? And I was like, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to bug you, girl. And she's like, I'm happy to. Right. She's like, I always look for the queens. And she says she looks for the biggest hair. And But anyway, on set, after she was rubbing my shoulders, she said to me, I was like, you ever going to do Broadway? She's like... I don't want to do the same thing over and over. And it, and I was like, I get that because I'm the same way. I'd rather have like Titanic. I'm locked in. I don't get to improv. A lot of the other characters do. So that for me is difficult. There was a, mm-hmm. there's a joke in it where like I say something or there's a line in it because it's not funny. But um, I say, I've seen better lighting it uh, in jail and it never gets a laugh. So I changed it. Mm-hmm. I went, I've seen better lighting at the Eagle. Crowd went up. I got to do it for three days before I got the note that you have to change that back. And I was like, okay, 
I understand you want your show how you want your show. It is not my monkey, not my circus. I get it. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your show. But in my head, I'm like, you know, it gets a laugh. Why won't you let me be great? Help your show be even greater. Like, let me participate. (laughs) Why did you hire me? You know, I'm Mm -hmm. funny. And I took my note and I moved on and they were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just feel like you're making me do someone else's show. Like, which is fine. It's not my show. I get it. And when you hire Willem, that's kind of like the the thing that I would expect is like, that's the, that's the brilliance of Willem is like your ability to improv. It shows obviously in star is born, but like you just have that natural wit. And like you said, like once you had the audience and like when you are in front of people, it, it just like clicks on for yeah. you. It's so obvious. So like, I'm surprised that they wouldn't just be like, yeah, a, change it. A thank you. But B um, I understand from a professional standpoint point that they want to, probably license this show all over the world. And I hope I get to be in other casts later. If anything I've said on here hasn't inflamed the producers so much, but um, I think that, (laughs) Oh, please. As if they're listening. I'm sure you have listeners, honey, I'm here and I'm going (laughs) to listen to this later. Um, So at least you have the one that you're looking at. Um, (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But I get that they want the same show every night and stage managers have a job to, to keep that running like a well-oiled machine. And I'm fine with being a well-oiled machine, but I also want to leave room for circumstance and, and, um, happy accidents and like, you know, it's it's hard not to improv. Sometimes I'm not trying to fuck up anybody else's show. And I realize that Mm -hmm. that's part of it. They want the same thing every night. So everybody's prepared and it could be a well-oiled machine because you know, they're on performance 500, some 60 something. And I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it. It's been such a learning experience and I hope I get to do it again. Cause it's such a fun role and I love singing these Celine Dion songs. Like and the whole cast, yeah. it's like, I don't even go downstairs during the show. I just sit in the back and listen to the women sing because they're, they're it's, so insane. It's like heaven opens up every time mm-hmm. that Shawnee and um, Naya and Jackie and, and uh, Tess and uh, Kaylee Miss and Kaylee Capaldi. Oh my wow. God. Kaylee and this girl named Christina who was a Celine cover yes, too. She Christina. did the full top model Tiffany speech in the improv once, not just the beginning with the, <laughs> when I yelled at you, she talked about the grandma and the bikini and the lights being turned off. And like all of these girls <laughs> and Fraser Thomas, they're all so fucking talented that I just mm-hmm. can't live. I can't breathe backstage when they do tell him and all. And Lindsay Heather Pierce. Oh my God. When she, yes. My, I think my favorite part in the show is the prayer because there's no music and you just hear Lindsay's voice ring out and it's so beautiful <laughs> and like, it's like a crystal bell ringing. It's so clear. And God. I saw her do, um, wicked with, um, with Alexandra Billings as Morrible cause I'm friends with Alex mm-hmm. and she yeah. was so good. I saw Jackie Sick do name. Alphaba, you know, yep. I, I mean, wicked. I saw the second night it was open on Broadway in 2002 because I was dating a guy and I was like. I was testing him and I was like, that's the most expensive ticket on the ticket board. That's the one I want to see. And he bought the ticket. <laughs> and then I've seen it a lot after my friend Josh Lehman was Bach one, uh, on tour. Yes. And he was the tallest Bach they've ever had. But he was great. And Shoshana was Elfie there. And hearing Shoshana uh. do those riffs live at the end of Defying Gravity, oh. hearing the one that she, like, I was, ga- but even Shoshana, she would get notes not to do that. It's like, how are you trying to hide these people's light under a bushel just for the sake of having the same show at the same time? The same show. And Shoshana and I got to do the the Playbill um, uh, Remember the Ribbon Benefit, which airs December 1st on Playbill.com. 
and we got to talking and I realized that we've known each other like 20 years. We started doing, (laughs) I met her doing a a musical on the CBS backlot, which they were filming for a sizzle reel because they were trying to make it of a meatloaf, Bonnie Tyler musical. (laughs) And it was so (laughs) unique Unique. I was gagged that me and me and Shoshana Bean were playing prostitutes who sang "We Need a Hero." There were three of us. I forget who the other one was, but it was very cool. And I remember (laughs) the writer was talking to me about the part, and I was like, "Great, who's playing the meatloaf role?" And he's like, "Oh, I am." And I was like, "You're wearing sketcher dress shoes, and you're supposed to be a biker. You're really playing the meatloaf role." And this was when we were on set already. He's like, "Yeah," and I was like. Oh God! Here we. This isn't gonna go anywhere. <laughs> but me and Sh- me and not Shangela, me and Shoshana had the best time on set, and we became friends ever since. And I I traveled to to Boston to see her do Funny Girl, or outside maybe Providence somewhere uh, to see her do Funny Girl. And I was so gagged. And then we get to the end of the show, and she sings "Don't Rain on My Parade" again. And I was I was so mad. I went backstage after and saw her, and I was like, "Girl, why didn't you do Oh My Man, I Love Him So? He'll Never Know." <laughs> She's like, that's not in the musical. And I was like, it's in the movie. She's like, that's not how it works, bitch. And I was like, Mm-mm. Shoshana, come on. You know I wanted to hear that song. And she's like, that's not how it works. But uh, I got to hear her sing um, so many other times that I wasn't that mad. But like, I, I follow that woman around the country and I will go hear her sing uh, anywhere. Miss Shoshana. When she opens her mouth, rainbows and gold pours out to me. It's sickening. It's sickening. Her and Lilius White, I think, are my two favorite, like musical theater oh performers. my god the very first night i ever did chicago the musical lilius was my my mama morton and i was absolutely gobsmacked like i just couldn't even i hadn't seen the show in so long and then i got the call the day of that the morning that i was going to go and and be standing by at chicago and just sitting backstage being like i'm about to go on stage with lilius white as Mama Morton, what the hell? And it, she stopped the show. I mean, Lilius, that number was, I think, maybe eight minutes long. Like, <laughs> good ovations, insanity. Jinx, Jinx is, is the wild. same. Like, it's just a great number. I would love to do Chicago. Yes. Were you a Mary Sunshine? Yeah. That's what I want to do. I did it in, um, in, in L.A. with Katrina Link from Company. She was Velma. Yes. And it was love so Katrina. great. Um, they, they lowered it a step because it did not sound good when I did it in the original key. And I was, I literally told them (laughs) I will pay for it to get this transposed because they're like, no, if you can't do it, you can't do it. And I was like, I'll pay for it. I want to do this role so bad. You're like, bitch, I'm going to do it. I think I paid the music director to lower all the charts for everything. And I was like, I would love to do it, but I don't know if they'd let me. Oh my God. I would fucking gag for that. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it together. Girl, tell him. Tell him. We can just try it off. Yeah, I'm, d- I'm down. <laughs> I love Miss Katrina. We just did a, a workshop of a new musical this summer, um, a new version of A Wrinkle in Time, and I was in awe of her. She is sickening. I mean, I, of course, saw her in company three times, but Miss Katrina Link, that she's a singer for sure, but the acting, mm-hmm. mama, yeah, it's sickening. She's wonderful. So tell me about your road to youtube stardom because you were kind of like the og like queer drag youtube sensation well 12 years ago before my shadow ban 
Um, I was, <laughs> I was just the idiot that pressed record. I wasn't the best at anything, but I was documenting it. Cause I was like, one day the children will want to see and know what happened. So I started making song parodies and, um, and then I ended up on drag race. And then I realized that this was my chance to really use this plat, this show as a springboard and with the publicity from my disqualification and all the people wondering and searching for me, I was like, they're going to be on the internet. They're going to be searching. So let me start right. putting out videos and making stuff that I want to do. Um, so I started and all during this time, I was pitching ideas to TV shows and TV stations. And um, one of the companies was called Magical Elves. They produced Project Runway and they did like, I think, um, not The Voice, one of, one of the singing shows, X Factor or something. They do a lot of great stuff, Magical Elves. and they had an offshoot where YouTube, YouTube, when it was starting, gave all these production companies in Hollywood and New York money to say, hey, do a YouTube channel and we'll pay you. So they had all this capital and they started making shows. And one of them was, um, I guessed it on a makeover show called um, Transformations, where Johnny Makeup, this Moschino um, guy who worked at Moschino or Jeremy Scott or somewhere, um, he was also on the Caswell track. I seen Beyonce at Burger King. I seen Beyonce at Burger King. You remember that song? And she was eating. She was eating. She was eating. Um, she was on that track. And so I knew him from there and from clubs and stuff. And he had a show where he made over people and Courtney and I guest starred on it. And then they saw me on that and they liked me. So the idea for Willem's Beatdown came up where it was Mystery Science Theater 3000, basically before Tosh.0, oh, um, mm-hmm. before I'd seen it, where I was just commenting on things. And, um, I, it worked and then they lost all their money from YouTube. YouTube was like, okay, we're established. We don't need to pay people to make content anymore. They're going to do it on their own. So I took my idea back and started doing it on my own channel. And then sometimes all it takes is one and, uh, chow down came out and that became a viral hit and Vicky detox and I toured all over the country with it. And then when detox got on the next season, I was like, I'm going to replicate this. And Everybody was like, good luck. That was a hit. Like, we've seen your other videos. They get 40 views. And I was like, right. <laughs> okay, watch me. And then I wrote Boys the Bottom after a really terrible three-way. And um, <laughs> I wrote it in, like, less than 15 minutes. And then I started humming it to my um, my husband. He's like, this is a hit. And I was like, it's stupid. He's like, no, it's a hit. And after that, Detox Vicky and I were the first drag queens from Drag Race, really in 31 countries because we performed that song all over the world and it became my biggest hit and I get to sing it every night to a crowd full of bottoms and people who fuck the bottoms (laughs) and I feel like it was it was bottom pride because seeing all these bottoms pride be like sing along with it and be happy because you know there wouldn't be tops without a bottom and that's on period yeah so like honestly I feel like it was it was our anthem and the respect that we deserved. And it, I, I was like, this is our marching song, you guys. So yes. reclaim the whole. So with, Wave the flag. Yeah, with all that YouTube stuff came more success. And people gave me more opportunities because of what they saw on there. And yeah. I'm still doing it. A lot of people come up to me and, and tell look me. look at you now. Yeah, they say that they saw me in a, a, a Todrick video or a Pentatonix video or, mm-hmm. or a video like that. And then they watched my channel. And then they discovered Drag Race. A lot of people tell me they discovered that through me. And I was mm-hmm. like, because not everybody had logo. So Right. Oh, no. I mean, when I started watching Drag Race, I it was clips pulled from logo on the internet. Like, yeah. I wasn't, like, 
I couldn't get like the full <laughs> episodes and everything, but that's how I obviously like found you and found Miss Alaska and everybody. I mean, like I just Miles J. So cool. Like there were so many internet drag queens that like that are now yes. like doing the thing. T. S. Madison. Crazy. She start, remember she started twenty two inches big dick bitch. Come on. <laughs> yeah. All that good stuff. <laughs> and then oh my god, and then of course the iconic American Apparel ad girls. What the fuck? I was obsessed I, I it's just like still funny that i even get to talk to you because like of course when i was like mm-hmm. 17 i was like these are the bitches huh. these are the queens <laughs> these are the stars of rupaul's drag race well funny thing is you know how i i said in the beginning i always say yes to opportunities that mm-hmm. sh- trans fashionable show that led me to doing the beatdown was hosted by that guy johnny makeup johnny makeup after that ended up working at american apparel in their marketing division and he's had the idea to shoot me in alaska or me and Courtney. And we were like, great, let's do it. So we we start talking on the phone and FaceTiming about what the shoot's going to be. And he's like, I really want a third girl. And me and Courtney were like, no, you said it was us. And then the next call, he says, don't be mad. I added Alaska. And we were like, oh, we love her. That's great. So they added Alaska to the shoot. And then at the shoot, we were playing a song by... Um, the name of the band it's something cities gotham cities or something but like it's there's one line in the song where they're like american apparel ad girls or something or wearing american apparel underwear and my best friend and assistant at the time had the idea he's like y'all should do a song and i was like we should just do this song where we say nonsense and (laughs) i wrote the chorus real quick and it became a thing and the aaa girls were born girl and it was so fucking good it's so iconic I yeah, like it. it's a great video. I, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that like the videos that I made inspired a whole generation of kids who are now on Drag Race and coming to me for advice like how do I do this? How do I do this and that? And I was like, I'm happy to help, and I'm happy that people think that I'm some sort of template for success after Drag Race or leading up to it. Even like, I right. feel like my when I go into somebody's house and I see my book on their table or their shelf, I'm like, oh my god, you. I'm flattered anytime anybody cares about me or shows me the littlest bit of attention. I'm a cancer. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm i just like waiting for the other shoe to drop in for, for, you know, because I figure this all this success can't continue forever. I hope it does. And I hope I keep climbing. But like I've had all my dreams come true. So I think it's fair game that I help others along that path now. So. I love that. And I, I, th- I mean, to that point, I was even just going to ask, like, with all of the success and, you know, the awards and accolades and everything, like, is there is there something that you haven't been able to do that you're like, that would be the thing? Um, I'd like to win something gold. <laughs> Not silver. No, no platinum. I would like gold. gold. I would like probably I, I I've been nominated for two Emmys and I lost but um <laughs> one of my family members is a director and she has two Emmys and I was like "Ooh, can I take a picture with it and she said sure when you get one uh, bitch and then when she got her second one she sent a picture to the family that had her books that she wrote because she's a director and a writer and a wonderful all-around entertainer in between the two Emmys and the subject said bookends and I was like, Aunt Mary Lou, you are so cunty and Aunt fabulous. Lou. She is she is everything. And um, 
So I would love some Emmys to go with her Emmys uh, or, oh a, or a Tony or an Oscar or Matching. something. Love it. Yeah. So that's the only <laughs> thing I really want just because I, I like gold stuff. Um, yeah, shiny. Something shiny. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I don't know if there's anything else I really want to do um, that I haven't done yet other than like just more of what I'm doing. I think it's being in the entertainment industry is kind of like being in the service industry where it's a privilege. And as long as you keep being good and keep entertaining people, you're allowed to be in it. Um, so I'm just happy that I can, uh, draw enough of a crowd (laughs) to make a buck period. (laughs) Well, before I let you go, I have a series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I ask all of my guests. Are you ready? I am ready. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? (laughs) Lloyd Webber. Other than Bad Cinderella, which I don't know about, but everybody's been ragging on it in the show, in Titanic. (laughs) So I don't know, but I, you know, I I like Phantom. Phantom Of course. It was my first Broadway show, too. Um, Sweatpants or jeans? Uh, Jeans. All right. Do you have a favorite musical? I do. Titanic. Period. Do you have a least favorite musical? Um, I have a least favorite musical. I'm trying to think. Have I ever hated a musical? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I have to go see it because my friend Milana's in it from um, Drag Race. But I'm not a Sweeney Todd fan. I I had to listen to it because somebody wanted me in it once, and I was like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Um, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Yeah. Yes. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Um, I I pretty much wake up when the sun rises. So oh I'd say morning and night owl because I work in clubs. Morning and usually I'm the... up when it still rises. Usually on my way to the airport. <laughs> She's just always awake. Um, are you a golden age or contemporary girly? I like old musicals reimagined, like how Billy Porter did with The Life. Ah, yes. Um, what's your favorite role that you've ever played? My favorite role that I've ever played is Shaza and Death Drop. Because like, she got to sing, she got to dance, she got to do everything a leading lady does on the West End and like I never would have thought that would have happened in my life I know and I so hope you get to do it in New York mainly because I want to see it and I don't want to have to pay for a ticket to London um what is the hardest show that you've ever done the hardest show that I've ever done is I did a production of Hedwig in LA that um the three the three background singers were reimagined as Hedwig's mother Luther and then young Hedwig and they all, one was this big black guy, one was an older blonde lady, and one was like a younger twink. So they kind of played out the scenes. And then I was Tommy Gnosis. And I would yes. like burst through this door where thunderous applause and lights would come out of like I was at the Hollywood Bowl. And this was like at a little Hollywood theater on the street. So like they made it seem like Tommy Gnosis was the character. And I, it was, it was a, a well intended show, but. I fucking hated doing it. And then I got fired. <laughs> and then they realized that I was the one helping Yitzhak with their quick change and getting them into drag at the end. 
And so after being fired for one day, they're like, you can come back, but we need to talk about your attitude. And I was like, I'll come back and we're not having that talk because I know you need me because my understudy couldn't do it. Yeah. So that was a hard show because it was another show where I felt like I had to hide my light under a bushel a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. I'm a showboat. There's a reason I'm in shows and I love boats. (laughs) Hello. My boat is pretty. (laughs) Would you call it a Titanic? (laughs) I'd say my boat is a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is always a, a hard question to ask anyone who does drag, but do you have a favorite costume that you have ever worn? Um yes. Uh the one on drag race with the blue Dolce and Gabbana coat when I was in a boat. Oh um, yes. and the and the little uh Jean Paul Gaultier, Levi's, Rihanna collaboration, denim bikini. <laughs> And just like eating, like I knew I won. I won the mini challenge. Mm-hmm. It was a wet t-shirt contest that day. Like I just, I have really great success around water and aquatic things. <laughs> and I think it's because I'm a cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, it's just what we do. Um, Creatures of the sea. <laughs> Who is the silliest cast member in Titanic? <sighs> um, I would say the silliest cast member in Titanic is Marcus Antonio. He's called, he's referred to as Off-Broadway's Biggest Bully. Um, <laughs> and she cuts up. She is at the opposite end of the dressing room as me, but we look in the mirror and we can have conversations with each other without even saying a word. And we're on the same wavelength. They're, they're one of the most talented individuals I've ever met in my life, and I've been around for a long time, and I can't wait to see what they do after Titanic or what what's... I'm, all these people in this show, I feel like, I'm going to be following around the rest of my life to go see their shows. Be like, oh my God, you're in this town? I am too. Can I come see your show? Because yeah. this the show, you know how you're in a show and there's usually one asshole or one person people roll their eyes at? We yes. don't have a cast member like that. Period. None. We're, uh, all, we're all good so apples. Fun. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, do you have a dream role? Do I have a dream role? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> on, to, Gypsy. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I have a dream. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have to write it. Maybe it hasn't been written yet. But um, I, I would love to tackle Hedwig someday. I'd love to do uh, Angel and Ren if I'm not too old. Like, oh my god, you would be amazing as Hedwig. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do Mary Sunshine. I would love to. Yes, Mary. Like I don't. Yeah, I I honestly Amneris and Aida. <laughs> yeah, I think Amneris was a tea girl for sure. Mm-hmm. All those outfits, <laughs> honey. <laughs> All those outfits. Right. What are we? Those here? reveals. Uh, yeah, right. I think <laughs> Amneris. That's my whole like. <laughs> My warm-up is I do all three of the lead parts in Aida. I would just put that on the car and do all of them. And then in my podcast, every every week we say, this, this is the moment. moment. Girl, if you think I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're talking to one, too. Well, my Hello. last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, and I'm going to go full RuPaul, is what is one thing that you would tell baby Willem? First of all, if I met baby Willem, he'd be like, A, he would try to blow me and then he'd try to blackmail me. <laughs> and then then he'd be like, can I get some comps for your show? <laughs> so I would tell baby Willem, um, I'd be like, girl, charge $10 more 
and do 10% less because sometimes you do too much. And, um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't tell him much because I'm happy with how I turned out. And I think that, um, I don't want to fuck with the time space continuum. Oh, that's a good, that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Willem, thank you so, so much for coming on the pod. Would you tell the listeners where they can find you on socials and keep up with your shenanigans? Sure. You can find me every week on mom podcast on race chaser and hot goss. There's a bevy of other drag queen beauties like Delta work and jinx monsoon and yes. Jade essence hall and hiding closet. Also doing potting there. Uh, and then you can find me on Instagram at Willem W I L L A M or my YouTube channel is uh, just search my name and you'll find um, you'll find the trash sitting by the curb. Um, <laughs> no extra eye, honey. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> well, I just adore you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Also, the Broadway Podcast Network now has an amazing, new, beautiful streaming platform and website. You got to check it out. BPN.fm slash Oh My Pod. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Oh my God, oh my God, you guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.